this is Sylvia, and this is Out Loud a Gizmo, a saying my dad made up. You'll be listening to stories that he wrote. Enjoy. Okay, get ready. Here we go. Chapter 15 I went to the highway and caught a ride to Amarillo. The ride took me to the city limits and I walked to downtown. I was so tired and sleepy and cold. I saw a policeman. I thought about throwing a rock through a window so I could go to jail and get some sleep. I decided to ask him if he would lock me up for the night. But he said, I can't do that. He said, go out on the highway. You will catch a ride before long. So, I started walking. I came to an all-night service station. I asked him if I could sleep on the floor and he asked me where I was going. I told him, Lubbock. I hitchhiked from Borger and walked across Amarillo, and I am tired and sleepy, and the floor looks good to me. He said, I have a better idea. My car has a bed in one side. You're welcome to sleep in it. Boy, was I ever glad. When he woke me up, I asked him if I could work for him to pay for it. He wouldn't hear of it. So, I stood on the highway less than an hour, and caught a ride on a tank truck, to downtown Lubbock. HD Carol had a watch repair shop, so I looked him up and asked him to take me to the Posey Highway so I could catch a ride to Posey. He said, I will take you to Posey. He took me to Ed Maker's service station. Rose Maker, Ed's wife, told me that Mrs. Bowles, that lives across the canyon, needed someone to do the milking and everything else there is to do around a ranch. Mr. and Mrs. Bowles had 640 acres, all in pasture. They had 10 milk cows, about 50 sheep, and two saddle horses. My job was to milk cows, then run the milk through the separator, and take the cream to Lubbock about every other day, and get a receipt for it. Mrs. Bowles built the house where I worked. Well, I worked for her about three months, then her grandson came and took over. I thought it was about time for me to take a vacation, so I went by, and told Guy, Sarah, Geraldine, and Bill, goodbye. I will see you in about two or three weeks. I am going to hitchhike to Oklahoma and see the folks. I caught a ride to Amarillo and got there about sundown. I met a guy in a cafe where I was eating a hamburger. He had a pack on his back, so I asked him where he was going. He said Oklahoma City. He said, let's catch a freight train. I said, I never caught a freight train before. He said, it's easy. If you don't let the bulls catch you first. The bulls are police working for the railroad. We went to the railroad yard, where a freight was about ready to pull out, so we jumped on an empty boxcar. Boy, I thought, this is too easy. Then, we saw a car pull up to the track. Two guys jumped out with flashlights and started looking into cars. They were about 10 cars down the track from us. The guy with me said, let's get out of here. They put me in jail last week for this. I said, why didn't you tell me this before? He said, well, I didn't think they would be able to see us after dark. So, we jumped off and ran down the tracks, and then across a field, and over to the highway. It's impossible to catch a ride at night, so he went toward town, and I went to where the highway forks. It was getting pretty late, so I curled up in the ditch, and went to sleep. The next morning, I got on the road going to Shamrock, and stood there about two hours. No one would pick me up, so I started walking, and I walked about four hours, maybe more. I started getting hungry and tired, so I flagged down a Greyhound bus. 
It took nearly all the money I had to get to Shamrock. Boy, I'm sure glad he found that Greyhound. I got me a bowl of chili and a place to sleep in. It was a flop house that rented beds for 25 cents. That left me with a total of 35 cents left, and I am not in Oklahoma yet. About the time I went to sleep, four guys came in, making racket and talking loud and passing the bottle around and arguing about who owed who for the day's expense. They finally got it settled. When they finally got to sleep, it was nearly time for me to get up. Anyway, when I got up, they had money scattered all over the room. If I had been dishonest, I could have rode to Oklahoma in style and with a full belly, but it wasn't mine. So I bought me a roll and hit the road and I've still got 25 cents left. I walked for a long time, then on a curve, trucks hauling potatoes, lost some and I picked up enough potatoes to fill my pockets. They would have been better if they had been fries, but they taste good if that is all you have. A man stopped and asked, where are you going? And I said, Wagoner, Oklahoma. He said, I am going to Oklahoma City. Hop in. It was after dark when we got there. I asked him if he knew where the Salvation Army office was. He said, it's about two blocks over that way. Anyway, I found it. I always heard their doors were always open. This must have been the doorman's night off because they were locked tight. Two plainclothes detectives caught hold of my arm and said, what's your name? And I told them. They said, what are you doing here? I said, looking for a place to sleep, and I heard the Salvation Army would take you in. They said, there is a place in the basement down the street where they rent cots. So I went there, and they had cots all over the place. But most of them were full of bums, like me. Well, I am not a bum yet. I've still got a quarter. So, I asked the guy sitting at the desk, what do you get for one of these cots? He said, 10 cents. I said, I'll take one. Boy, I still got money left. I didn't have any cover, but it was warm down there. I was glad when the night was over. Nearly everyone there was old and had a cigarette cough. Anyway, at daylight, I spent my last 15 cents for a roll and a glass of milk. Then I started walking for the city limits. Before I got to the city limits a model lay Ford passed by and stopped, then backed up to me. One of the guys said, aren't you the one that stayed in that place in Shamrock, Texas? I said, yes, I remember you guys. They asked me where I was going. I said, Wagoner. The man driving said, get in. We will take you to Muskokie. That's 15 miles from Wagoner. That was great. But they stopped two or three times and bought liquor. They started getting drunk and throwing money around again. We were so close, sitting three in the backseat of a Model A Ford that at times, I had rolls of bills laying in my lap. I felt like they were tempting me again, but I resisted temptation again. Well, we finally got to Muskokie about dark, and I started walking. I got to Wagoner at 3.30 in the morning, and woke Janie and Otha, and they fixed me a bed. I was so tired and sleepy that I was asleep before I had a chance to tell them I was also hungry. The next morning, she fixed bacon and eggs. I said, this is the first food I've had since I had a roll and a glass of milk at daylight yesterday morning. She said, why didn't you tell me last night? I said, because I was too tired and sleepy and it wasn't last night, it was 3.30 this morning. It sure was good to be full and not sleepy. Boy, as daddy would say, 
You look back at him hitchhiking and nothing really to eat, no money, but this was the norm for him. It's hard to imagine it, having a quarter and thinking, I'm not really a bum because I have a quarter left. And then he only had to spend 10 cents for the cot. He said, oh, good, I have money left over. He had 15 cents, and he's excited that he had money left over. And here in this world nowadays, we've got hundreds, probably, in our bank account. But we say, I don't have any money. (laughs) It's just such a different world, and I don't think we appreciate what we have as much as they did when they didn't have anything, at least in my family. And there was quite a few people like my dad and my dad's family back then. Even my mom's family. She grew up poor as well, but they didn't move around. They stayed in one house. Well, anyway, we're going to get back and move on. Chapter 16 I went over to where Papa and the girls lived, in a house that belonged to Mr. Orange. Papa did odd jobs for him. He paid him a small amount of cash, and the house rent. I don't know how he made it, but he always had a little money. He also had four girls, Inez, Ruth, Virginia and Betty. Inez had a little baby boy named Jesse. I am sure he got welfare. Liva and Heavy lived with his folks. I don't know anyone that had a full-time job. I loafed around for about two weeks with Lloyd Brown, one of Heavy's cousins. Lloyd also didn't have a job. We would find odd jobs once in a while to get a little spending money. Lloyd carried an Oklahoma credit card in his Model A Ford. That's a short rubber hose for siphoning gas. And he knew how to use it. He also had a gas can in his car. His dad was kind of a flunky at the city jail. We would go over to the jail and he would let us sleep in one of the empty cells. He would see that we were gone before the chief of police came to work. Heavy would win marbles off of kids around town. He had a five-gallon can of marbles. At least he also made a good living shooting craps. He just played marbles when he couldn't find a crap game. Sometimes Louis and I would go to a picture show and see a Roy Rogers western. I think we saw his first movie. Just want to add right here that my dad loved westerns, and Roy Rogers was one of his favorite. Louis is Heavy's younger brother. Him and his mother stayed with Viva and Heavy. Viva and Heavy had two little ones, Edna and Burly Joe. Louis and I had lots of fun with Burly Joe. We would throw him up in the air. He liked it. He would laugh, and you could hear Viva yell, Don't be so rough with that baby. Well, Burly Joe grew up to be a husky good-looking man so I guess we didn't hurt him too much. We got a letter from Guy in Posey, Texas. He said he rented a 40-acre farm from Mr. Carroll, and he wondered if I would like to help him work it. So, I started telling everyone, bye. After the experience I had hitchhiking out there, Papa didn't want me hitchhiking again, unless I had to. He said he would get the money somehow, and he did. I don't know where or how, but he bought me a bus ticket to Lubbock, Texas. I said, Papa, I will pay you back someday. And I think I did in a small way, as I will tell you about later on. Boy, this is sure the way to travel. I think from now on, if I don't have a ride by car or bus, I will stay home. Papa even gave me one dollar to eat on. Boy, I can eat ten rolls and drink ten glasses of milk for one dollar. Being the light eater that I am, I had money left when I got to Posey. Sarah fixed me a big meal. I think my stomach thought I had forgotten it. Well, I started getting ready to do farm work. Carol's place had about 40 acres. He asked me if I wanted to help him get the land ready to plant. I told him I would, so I started out by cutting stalks with a one-row stock cutter. 
with a big horse and a big mule that belonged to Mr. Carroll. One day the old mule decided he wanted to go to the barn, but I kept disagreeing with him, and finally got the day in. I told Mr. Carroll about the mule wanting to go to the barn every time we passed it, and he laughed and said, I'll tell you what to do tomorrow. Well get ready, here comes another one of those homemade remedies. So he went to the barn and came out after about 30 minutes. He was 80 years old and covered 6 inches with every step. Anyway, he brought me a hoe handle, about 2 feet long, with a 6 feet piece of chain on one end. The kind of chain that's on a porch swing. Then he said, when you get really close to the barn, you lay that chain up and down his backside, one time. And from then on, all you have to do is rattle the chain, and he won't think about the barn. Well, it worked like he said, except when I walked towards the mule with the chain. I felt the wind from his back foot as it went by the side of my head. After that, I threw the chain and handle as far away as I could. Anyway, I still got all the cotton stalks cut. Now it's time to start plowing, and all we've got is a one-row middle buster and that same team that I cut stalks with. It will take me all winter long to plow this field. So, I walked across the highway to Louis Melcher's house. I said, Louis, I want to make a deal with you. I will work for you until I get all your plowing done. If you will let me take the tractor across the road and plow that 40 acres. He said, take it. And when you need gas, bring it over here and fill it. I don't think they make friends like that anymore. It only took three days to plow our place and two weeks for Louis's place. The Santa Fe Railroad called Guy to come to work. That's what he was waiting for for a long time. When Guy got his first check, he bought me a 1929 model lay Ford with a cloth top and a rumble seat from Jay Carroll. Anyway, I planted a crop and after Mr. Carroll got his part, I don't think we made enough money to pay for the seed we put in the ground. Anyway, Guy said, if we ever get out of this job, we are getting out of the farming business. I said, I am with you on that. After the farming, I got a job at the cotton gin where I worked in the fall for three or four years. Chapter 17 I had lots of friends in Posey. I also had friends in Lubbock. They were, the Carroll family, he is the Mr. Carroll we rented the farm from, and his son Harvey, and wife Becky, their son, H.D., and daughter, Adelia. Adelia worked in a cafe downtown. I asked her if I could take her home when she got off work at 5 p.m. She said yes. So, I went to a show, and while in the show, H.D. drove by and saw my model lay Ford in the parking lot. So he came in looking for me. He had his girl, and he also had an extra girl with him. He said, I've got someone I want you to meet. This is my cousin from New Mexico, Norma Ruth Alexander. He had already told her who I was. I said to her, why don't you stay here with me until the show is over, then we will go by and pick up Adelia and take her home. After the show, we drove to where Adelia worked. She still didn't get off work for another hour, so I asked Norma Ruth if she would eat a hamburger. She said, yes. So, I told Adelia we wanted six hamburgers, because they were six for a quarter with everything on them. Boy, six hamburgers for a dollar, so different from today, huh? Well, after we got through with our hamburgers, Adelia was ready to go home. So we all three got in my Ford coupe and headed for Adelia's house. I met Norma Ruth's mother and little brother and sister. They were here from New Mexico, staying with the Carols. Becky and Mrs. Alexander are sisters. Well, Norma Ruth and I had several dates over the next few weeks. 
We went to Buffalo Lake and to McKinsey Park. We even went to the Saturday night dance. She didn't know when they would have to go back to Port Alice, New Mexico. One day, I took five boys with me to Wilson to put a two-door sedan body on my car. I traded the coupe body, plus $10, for the sedan body. Six of us picked the body up, off the car, and put the other one on. It looked real nice. I wanted to show Norma Ruth my new car, so I went to Lubbock and took her for a ride out in the country. It's starting to get cold, and the car didn't have a heater. We stopped on the side of the road, and I got some little sticks, and built a fire in the floor which was steel and warmed our feet. Boy, that is the height of stupidity on my part. When we got back home to the Carol's place, Norma Ruth's dad was there from Port Alice, New Mexico, to take them back home. Well, it was fun while it lasted. It was so sad to see her go. We will keep in touch by mail. Just listening to these stories with all of the hitchhiking and stuff that he did in those days and strangers that he met up with and hitchhiked with or just rode with. It's a wonder that he didn't have something happen to him. Again, he was just such a naive, good guy and got taken advantage of, it seems like. And then, of course, he was talking about a girl that he met, Norma Ruth Alexander. So I'm sure in the upcoming episodes, we'll hear a lot more on that. I can't wait. I hope you stay tuned for it, and we'll see you next time. Please come back to hear all of the many different stories of my dad's life. And don't forget to press subscribe or follow so you can come back and listen to the real-life stories. Bye-bye now. This podcast was hosted by Sylvia Gant. Thanks to my dad, Dave Pickett, for writing the stories. A special thanks to Uncle Bill Pickett for the piano music.